Good day, and welcome to Far Reaches. We are four people from similar parts of the world who have wound up chasing different dreams and living different lives. We are Richard, Raleigh, Joel, and Micah. Richard and Micah are from Southeast Oregon, from two small ranching communities known as Pine Creek and Plush. Raleigh and Joel are from Northeast Oregon, from the Pendleton area. We met through college, mutual friends, and heard of stories of each other. Somehow wound up being at the same place at the same time. See, we live and work in different parts of the U.S. now and have all taken different paths to get to where we are. We all talk separately and live far apart. So we decided we should try and talk more together. We hope you come along and enjoy. Okay. Oh, well, I'm not as official as Micah, so we're already recording. I think he says, well, how do? Yeah. How are you, Far reachers. <laughs> so we are. Uh, how are you mom and them? Do that one. We're, we're, like we're two reachers down, but we're going to, Joel and I are going to struggle through this. But I figured this is a good opportunity to get to know Joel a little bit better. Because I'd say that Joel is the one that, uh, well, the Pendleton group probably knows that you better than me, but the rest of the group probably doesn't know you as much as <laughs> Raleigh and I. So be interested to see. Yeah, I don't want people to know me too too well. Uh, yeah, let's just talk about it's kind of hard without Mike because he's really drives like a structured show. Yeah, we he, could talk about uh, I guess what what you do last month. Yes, and then maybe Raleigh was supposed to join us via iPad in a swather to make podcast history, but he failed us. So yep. Micah is good service on the tractor. Possibly eaten by a gator. I'm not sure. Could be. Anyways. Um, I think he probably found a Florida check and got wrapped up in the moment. Yes. Yes. Florida man. You read about all about it. Oh, just check it out tomorrow, see what happened. Um so what did you do this week? How, that's, is that the question? Or yeah, that is the first question. Yeah, they, well, it's usually a week, but we can go back a month since we haven't done one of these for quite a while. Yeah. Um, I'd say the biggest thing I've been up to is a couple of weeks ago. Uh, me and the girlfriend went down to Corvallis. Checked out there. I hadn't been there in five years or something, and then. Uh, yeah, looked around campus, and then on Saturday we did a day trip to to Newport with another buddy. Just kind of walked around. It, it was packed. It was disturbingly packed. And I can't I can't say anything bad about it because I was one of those people. But um, just walking down the street, um, you know, thousands of people out walking around the dock area. But. People had masks on, I guess, for the most part. Um, the thing I, I'm going to skip around because this I always think, like, what did I learn this week? What can I talk about? The thing I learned about is how fake crab meat is made, the imitation crab. Dude, that stuff's fucking disgusting. Have you ever seen this stuff? I My grandmother loved it. Yeah. And it's about the freshest stuff you can get in Lakeview, so... <laughs> 
it, it's just like a bunch of crap extra fish that they can gather and then they grind it up and mix it with some other stuff and then the worst part was you can see them making this from the street and they put up these like big metal containers to capture you can see it falling out of the the machine at the top and it falls into this bucket and there's a bunch of birds standing on it oh man those birds are definitely yeah shit in there so every time you get salmonella from eating your stupid california roll <laughs> it's probably probably from uh from that well i uh that just ruins one of my uh, go-to uh, Lake County foods. So, thanks. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's bad stuff. What'd you do this last week? Oh, and then I'll finish up. I dropped off Jess at the airport on Sunday. Uh, so, like a week ago. And um, she flew back to New York. And uh, I'm going to stick, stick around here for another few weeks. And what's the report from New York? What's her What's her impression of being back after being? What were you guys gone? Almost ninety days. Yeah, something like that. Um. Yeah, I asked her if it if it was sketchy. Um, she doesn't think it is, but I don't know if she's a good gauge of that sort of thing. She's sort of oblivious to that sort of thing to plight, but. I guess. Um, yeah, she's doing stuff. She, her and her some friends went to a bar, sat outside and had some drinks and tacos. And then tonight she went to an outdoor concert. So they're, they're doing stuff there. Yeah. We, um, we're going to do our rodeo. So. Really? This. Yeah, it's going to be this big thing where they sequester like groups of 200 and three different bleacher sections. They're bringing in extra bleachers and then so everybody can do the six foot rule and then we'll have two night shows and uh, no fairground, no fair or anything, but uh, we're going to do two, we're going to do a ranch rodeo one night and a uh, regular rodeo the following night. So we're hopeful that we can pull that off. And that What's be- a ranch rodeo? Is that like cutting and stuff? No, uh, it's actual ranch events like uh, calf branding, but they don't brand them; they just paint them. And, uh, yeah. Then riding ranch broncs with a uh, regular ranch saddle. Oh. And then uh, usually they have sometimes they have pinnings. Uh, sometimes they have calfy cow roping. Uh, there's all sorts of different events they can add into it. So usually the calf branding is the highlight and the uh, saddle bronc riding so for the ranch ranch brock riding and it's a big deal in lake county uh, we have a calcutta where you buy the rider and uh yeah it usually raises a significant amount of money so but when is when is that radio labor day okay We're coming up huh. here. surprise they're allowing that to go forward um I guess they dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's and uh, be pretty limited, but it's going to happen. So that's sort of a win for us. And then, since, since you uh, teach, right? 
Um, I don't know yet if I'm going to be called in because it's a lot of that's still up in the air. Cool. I, I did visit with some of the people at the school and they asked me if I'd be available to sub and do that kind of stuff. So I said yes. Nice. What was I going to say? Oh, since I, in my last 30 days, I got my real estate license. So that Congrats. Happened. Yep. And you sold how much? How many houses have you sold? Well, I just got, I've only been a real estate agent for seven <laughs> days. So, um, <laughs> okay. Takes a while. And right in the middle of it, our cows came off the desert. So, last Friday, we brought a thousand head into the valley from, uh, our range, our range permit. So that took up. Then this weekend, I drove down to California and picked up a pump, and that took two days. So I don't have much real estate selling time, but I think ah. I might have a forty-acre listing. So that'll be interesting. That'll be a start. I have a question about cattle ranch, and I've always wanted to know. Maybe I've already asked this on the podcast. I'm just too drunk, don't remember. But <clears throat> you know, like the the really good the beef that you can get like a steak is it wagyu wagyu w a g u yep uh, and that is that's like from a calf right the japanese breed of uh beef and, but do you have to slaughter it when it's like young no it's a uh, like we raise grass fed we ra we raise a variant of akiyushi 50% or we've raised a thing, a uh, breed called Akiyushi, and it's a variant of Wagyu. And oh. uh, we, ours are grass-fed, so they die around. Uh, they get processed or harvested or die. It's not really cool, correct? But they get harvested, <laughs> harvested at, uh, they, our cat, our cows pass away. Yeah, so they're pretty old by the time. So then you can still get pretty good marbling out of them. Like the Colby, they feed them beer and uh, malted barley, fermented barley. So basically beer, but probably fermented for 30 days, probably three or four. But that Wagyu beef, isn't that like the most expensive type of beef? It is. And it's like all Japanese things. Like you ever see that uh, Hero uh, Makes Sushi movie, the documentary about the guy in New York that makes sushi? No. Uh, yeah. Oh, it seems Hero, like I should see that. Hero Dreams of Sushi. It's a great movie, but everything he does is like just focuses on making the very best sushi that he can make. So why do they just for generations and generations they just focused on being the very best marble beef they could do, most best tasting fatty. So years and years, and actually, like when the Akiyushi's Made it out of Japan, the breed that we used. Some doctors in Texas went to an island and found these uh, variant of the Wagyu and talked the the procurers, the the people that were raising these Akiyushis into selling them some. And the Japanese, uh, but they got them on a plane and flew them to Galveston, Texas. But the Japanese found out about it before they landed. And they uh, wanted them back. Oh, control everything. So, and they were in a they were in a legal battle for seven years, and they were in a quarantine lot in Galveston, Texas, for seven years. So the 
the the cat the cat the cows were. Yeah, I think there was three cows and two bulls. Huh. Yeah, because I've always wondered, like, if that that's a really good type of beef. What? Why don't? Why doesn't anybody out here just make it? But I guess you can't. Well, there are wagyu in the United States, so uh, Agri Beef out of Boise has a wagyu program, but it's usually just fifty percent. So, like the purebred wagyu, you don't have some. I'm sure there's some people in the United States raising fifty percent wagyu, but um, it's not as it's really not as famous if it doesn't come from Japan. I mean, sort of what yeah, like Colby beef is probably the premium wagyu that you can get, and that's uh still very much controlled by the Japanese and like they oversee it and. Yeah, I've only ever had it at a, at, I think it was at a sushi restaurant. Oh, wow. Yeah. <clears throat> but, like, now you can get American Wagyu, like, sliders at different appetizer places and stuff. So we, uh, That's just some slapping the name on a different product, isn't it? Well, they do, like, they do make you show that you have uh, used a Wagyu bowl. So the cow might not be Wagyu, but the bull is. So it's at least half Wagyu. So they actually do make you do a DA, submit, take a DNA test and show that you did the, that it, there is, there is a little bit of that, in that sense, there is some validation that it's actually a strain of the original Wagyu. And I think Texas was the first one to bring it in. Uh, the Koch brothers are big into Akiyushis. So, and then Agri-Beef, and then there's a couple other places that do it. Agri-Beef. Be, be the Coke brother now, right? Then one of them died. Yeah, but not the one of the... David died. David Coke died. Uh, Charles Coke and his brother Billy, I think. Both had... The, there's a book called Sons of Wichita that's really fascinating. But they're actually... Billy and... Charles are the two parts of the family that split, but they both raised uh, Akiyushi. No, oh, because the Koch, speaking of the Koch brothers, isn't like uh, the two, two of them are, are they, <clears throat> they right-wing people that fund Republicans or they're left-wing? No, they're uh, actually, their father is the guy that found and John Birch Society, which is uh, the thing that backs all the libertarian, like Reason Magazine. Yeah. So they're actually the, the libertarians. They're pretty much the Coke of the Reason. Both um, David Cook ran to for the president at, on the libertarian ticket back in the 90s. Oh. And then Billy, the one that sued, I think his name is Bill, the one that sued him, actually, after he sued the two that own the actual coke industries he got he took his money and won the world cup sailing <laughs> they're sort of interesting family <laughs> you know a lot about them oh i just, <clears throat> I just I thought that like the there are two there are like three brothers and two of them are working together but they have like opposite beliefs as like the third one who's also a political person maybe i'm confusing families no there's four brothers um, one lives in New York and collects art, and yeah. uh, uh, 
Well, it contributes to a lot of stuff too, like yeah. wing, wings of hospitals and shit. That was the one that died. But so there's uh, Edward, Bill, Charles, and David. David lived in New York also. So yeah. He's the one. He's probably funded more cancer research than probably, well, he's not living anymore. But added, when he was living last year, he probably funded more cancer research than any living person. So, but for people that are not excited about talking about the Koch brothers, if you ever want to read a good book, called, it's called Sons of Wichita. And it talks about how they broke up and pretty incredible. So, but. What's the other segment? We talk about like movies and stuff. Have you seen any good movies? Well, I, I could, why don't you say what you're watching and I'll just say what I'm watching because, uh, uh, and then we can uh, compare notes. See what you're watching. Uh, I tried to watch that new movie, the uh, <clears throat> Seth Rogen one, where he falls in the pickle brine. Oh yeah, I saw that. And then, and then he comes back a hundred years later. Um, I didn't get very far in that last night though. But what I saw it was, it was great. Um, just I haven't been sitting down. I haven't watched any of the the cult the cult TV show, the Antelope Cult. Um, you go first. I'm trying to think. Maybe something will jog my memory that I've been watching. So I'm watching this really cool Canadian show that uh, is on Hulu now called Letterkenny, and it's about. Uh, a group of people that live in a town about 5,000 people and it breaks them up into different social classes they got the like the druggies the hicks um there's gonna be a whole bunch of boys running through here pretty quick uh the hicks the um hey oscar how's it going anyways and uh it's just hilarious and they fight all the time there's uh India, it's, it'd be a lot like living in Pendleton, only they have Canadian accents, and it's sort of a comedy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. What's that on? Is that on Netflix? Hulu. Hulu, okay. But it was originally on a failed sort of streaming channel called Crave that was big in Canada. Anyways, it's sort of a cult classic, and I think Hulu's still making episodes. So, um I think it's on season six now and they're going to keep making it. And then all the guys that are like, one of the guys is a comedian and the other guy's a director and the other guy's a big star in Canada. But this is what they do. It's like a little pro love project that they do for fun. Well, like good stuff. Good. <laughs> I was going to say good, good stuff comes out of Canada. Comedy wise. Um, have you seen that show? Shit's quick. Shit's Creek. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was another really good one I loved, uh, Corner Gas. Oddly I enough, heard of that one. in Russia all the time. Huh. Yeah. yeah. Shit's Creek is probably the funniest show I've, I've ever watched. You think so? <laughs> Did the kid hear me curse? No, it's all right. They'll be all right. They probably heard it before. They are, they are ranch kids. That's true. My son is super excited that his cousins are here. So. 
Yeah, I haven't watched much. I've been doing a lot of golfing. I'm trying. I'm working on that. Trying to get to a point where I'm. I can beat my brother. Oh wow! I haven't gotten there yet. When I first got to town, I used to shoot like 110, 120, somewhere in there. Pretty bad. <clears throat> and then now I'm shooting 90 and below pretty consistently. So I need to. I need to get out there more and. And then when I'm ready, have Brian come with me again so I can, so I can beat him. It's the Junior, goal. Junior's going to be sad when you leave. Junior? Yeah. I don't think he likes playing with me because he uh, – it's frustrating to play golf in there with, with people who are a lot worse than you are. Right. Yeah, because you're always driving around locations – chasing their ball around the golf course right instead of generally straight where i hit it now about 50 percent of the time but junior hits it straight 100 percent of the time but just playing with other people recently who are who are worse than me it's it can be frustrating now you can be the guy that some people yeah now i'm the guy that yeah some people look at like wow joel's joel's good at golf it's incredible around here. Everybody's pretty good. It seems like everybody in Pendleton is just pretty good at golf. It's like a weird skill that everybody has in town. Oh, the guy down at the liquor store. Yeah, he's a plus two handicap. Yeah. What? Uh, I'm in the podcast. Not right now. Yeah, a little later. That's the that's a nephew. I got three nephews and my son here right now. It's gonna get it's gonna get busy around here. Well, should should we keep it short and then? Yeah, it's gonna figure, figure out what happens with Micah. I think we do a nice little mini episode, and uh, so we could do like a speed round of what thing in the news are you paying attention to right now, and I'll do it and we can talk about it and then what what, what have we learned and uh we'll just leave it open at that okay uh what have i been paying attention to the news? i've been it's the same thing right now it's um the media is still trying to stoke up anger I feel like, and that's working really well. Um, Every time you turn on or you look at the New York Times or whatever news source you go to, it seems like, except for like maybe Fox News, I I guess, but it's the same thing all the time. It is, it's all race-based. It's all, all about uh, white supremacy and whatever um, and then I read a really good analysis of it somebody did a deep dive into like the New York Times and NPR for example and they looked at the percentage of words that were out of all their words in their publications so the percentage that that were either racist racist or 
Yeah, something like that. And it was, and and over the last year, the percentage of the times that they use that word has gone up like a thousand percent. Not a figment of our imagination. It's just that they're publishing nothing but race-based articles, and it's frustrating the hell out of me. You can't get any good news. That's sort of interesting. Like, so, I, did, have you watched any? Ba- did you watch any of the season opener or the base any baseball games? Yeah, yeah, I did. Was that excruciating or what? See, yeah. Are you talking about the kneeling thing? So, no, not. I don't really care. I'm not. I'm impartial to the kneeling. If people want to kneel, oh yeah, okay, me too. Yeah, like I don't, hour, kneel. hour and a half lead up to the game. I have a lot of problems with base. I, I, I'm so happy they're playing baseball, but I like the crowd noise bugs me. The little pockets in the back bug me. <laughs> um, and I'm sure that I just happened to watch the A's season opener. And, uh, I almost didn't make it because there was so much of that stuff, at the, so much of the political correctness, or the sort of the just the I don't, I don't even know the right word for it. Um, posturing, the Black Lives Matter posturing and all that kind of stuff at the beginning and it's like i don't know if i can take this in my baseball and can we not have one thing in the united states where we don't have this uh where we have to be inundated with this stuff all the time baseball should be like let's just play ball yeah. enjoy so that's my rant yeah i i didn't see any of that i didn't watch the lead up to it but yeah they do the same thing with like before college football games and stuff still um, yeah, you'd want to get away from it once in a while. And it came to the realization that I like listening to NPR when they cover other topics. Like, but you get so tired of hearing about what they choose to cover repeatedly. I'm impressed that they're able to come up with enough content to talk about, pick something in the world and we'll figure out why group certain group of people are impressed by it yeah um i want to i just want like actual substantive news so i spend a lot of time listening to like rush limbaugh although he's just most of the time talking about the other side of the whole thing but him and like the conservative talk radio guys cover a wider variety of topics than what npr chooses to focus on but not to say that I don't like NPR because once in a while you get it, you know, they do pretty good journalism. Yeah, I, I always like the stories, and uh, but I've not been able to listen to it for like probably 30 to 60 days. It's every time it makes me mad. So, oh, we got another reacher. Yeah, Mr. Bigsby has joined us. We're all... Sorry, I'm late. <clears throat> Probably can't stay long. <laughs> Are you with Micah by any chance? Yeah. It, is Micah disconnected from the world still? Well, well, yeah. We're we're doing a mini episode without him. Ah, well, that's good. Well, we figured. What, what are you guys yakking about? We're going over news topics, things in the news that we were sort of focused on this week. I was huh. baseball. I haven't watched news for like a month. I've been hanging. What's the news well, up with Joseph? 
Well, sun shining. Um, <laughs> second cutting hay started. Calves are growing. Lots of grass. It's drying out though, but not a not a whole lot of substantial news. So nothing you, important. When there, there's no riot, no rioting, so we're, we're good there. The COVID crisis has got some people stirred, and other people are flipping at the bird. So nothing, uh, nothing too far out of the ordinary. So that's about all yeah. I got. I want to. I actually want to do a COVID update, <clears throat> and, and I'll tie that with what I've been reading the news a lot lately. A lot lately, and something that's been bothering me is there's this narrative going around that you know like college football season is supposedly canceled and there there are a lot of people saying you know if you don't wear a mask this is what happens we could have had college football if stupid white people would put on their masks i see this a lot and then you look at the statistics like america has a very high rate of compliance with mask wearing it's like 80 some percent it's one of the highest in the world. Um, but there's this ongoing narrative that, you know, right-wing white people, Trumpsters, uh, refuse to wear a mask. And I just don't think that's true. I think they are wearing a mask. <clears throat> and not to mention, then you look at the st statistics of who actually is getting COVID. Like, these Trumpsters are 23 per 10,000. They're among the lowest rates in the world. So it, news is pissing me off in a lot of different ways. Well, that's, <laughs> that's what the news is. They're, they're there to piss groups of people off to get them at each other's throats. It's all they yeah. do is stir a pot. The Mike Baker Joe Rogan were talking, they were talking about how valuable it would just be to have somebody, a news service that just like said the who, what, when, and where. <laughs> that place, how much money they'd make because most people are sick of the, I think most on both sides see that it's a divisive type of deal. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the evening news, news used to be really good. I, I haven't watched it in a long time, but you know, like the news comes on like 6.30 every night. Have you, ever, have you seen that in a while? Is that any good? I don't even have cable. Uh, <laughs> I have cable, but I haven't turned it on in a long time. Have you, have you watched anything good lately, really? Um... The Ranch on Netflix. Um, I love that show. Great show. Uh, <laughs> the, nothing, nothing per se. I really haven't had that a lot of time. Just been busy working and making hay while the sun shines. So, um, but I, I don't really think I'm probably going to get rid of cable here. I think. Um, I, I know my wife all for it because really the only chance. I even turn on there anymore is the uh, the cowboy channel and, and watch that at all Joel 
I, I had the Cowboy Channel actually for a while. So I got rid of cable like two years ago. Yeah. Um, and I used Sling for a little bit. You should get, how much do you pay for cable? Probably like a hundred bucks, right? Oh, I think it's like 85 or 90 a month. Yeah, get rid of that. You, if you want the Cowboy Channel, you get Sling for 15 bucks a month that has that channel. Channel, um, yeah. I didn't spend much time on it because I'd come across it and there would be like a, you know, fifth grader holding the camera at this <laughs> cowboy talking about spot prices of beef. <laughs> now they've, they've kind of revamped it in as of recent. They actually have live feeds from multiple different rodeos all over the country. And then they'll, they'll go in and I kind of enjoy that. There's a couple programs where they're, they go in and look at different people's draft horses for different purposes all around the country. It's kind of, I mean, there's some educational parts to it that are kind of fun to watch, but um, really um, that's about the only thing on cable TV that's I've found interesting lately. Um, yeah. Sometimes I'd see, you know, like the 1984 national finals rodeo round 10. Well, yeah. I'll sit and watch that for sure. Yeah. You know, no. You ever want it? <laughs> yeah, what? They, they, see what at bauer wanted yeah oh, probably yeah i don't think any of them were quite around yet in 84 i think they won everyone except for the ones that Van Norton team won in the 90s <laughs> pretty much yeah yeah no it, it's interesting that what this whole covid bullshit's done to the rodeo world too um it, it's been kind of fun to sit back and observe because i i know some guys that are pretty staunch hardcore rodeo guys and they're even at the point now where it's like you know what i don't even care what what goes on with rodeo and it, which surprised me from a couple of them you know because that was kind of their whole world and now they're off Maybe they realize that there's better things to life than chasing a circus up and down the highway. But I was telling them, Lakeview thinks they're going to pull their rodeo off. I hope they do, just in spite of our freaking governor. You're talking, this might be the, if they do end up having the finals in Vegas, even if it's recorded, it might be the most interesting contestants ever because there's going to be so many random yeah. in it. I was going to ask about that. I haven't been keeping up with the PRCA standings, but I would think, you know, it's not much money on the table. You'd end up with last year the you – know, Tony, Tony Kern could probably make the NFR if he went to Lakeview. Well, not, what I've – I've kind of watched that. I've, had, I've turned it on when I've had a spare moment here. And it's interesting because they're the, – the spread – on the, on the top 15, well, you need, you obviously have your top 10 that are kind of out there, but the spread between 10 and 20 and even a little further is literally just from cents to thousands of dollars, which is not much in the grand scheme of how that historically has worked. And the other thing that's kind of unique is the rodeos that are going on back in the Midwest, you're seeing a lot of them, their contestant roster is huge. Because obviously right now they don't have any of the Northwest rodeos going on. So everybody's piled back into those. And and the numbers they're getting in these rodeos is unbelievable. And it's not just guys that are 
are typically in that top echelon. It's a lot of guys that think are looking at it going, Hey, I got a chance this year. I'm going to take a run at it. And you are seeing that and seeing some names. I mean, there's a kid from Hermiston. He's been bulldogging really good lately in the last few years, actually. Um, that Dalton Massey. Dalton, Dalton Massey. Massey. And yeah. he just won Dodge City, which is a huge one, and, and placed big in both rounds and then placed in the short round and won the average. And I I want to say he's probably pretty close to being on the bubble, too. I mean, there's some, some names that haven't really spread out and gone a lot before that are have a chance this year. So it's kind of – that's kind of fun to watch. I mean, getting to see – see some of the guys that aren't typically there doing it. Like the top, uh, what, what is year-to-date earnings are? Say that again, your, your screen shut off. You moved your, <clears throat> moved your phone and everything went to hell, Joel. Oh. Uh, I was just asking what the number one guy in the world, like what is year-to-date earnings are? Well, it depends. Like, they've got that gap open, that Mayfield kid. And I think Tough Cooper's sitting in second with 50-some thousand. And he had this kid had a hell of a winner, and he's at 150-some thousand. I mean, he's 100,000 ahead of everybody. But um, I, I would say by usually by now, most everybody that was in the top of the standings were at least in some events, $60,000, but a lot of them approaching 100 now, and, and most of them are $50,000 behind where they normally are. So They said some of the smaller, like, sanctioned team ropings are going to play a bigger role than they've ever played as far as for the roping guys. Yeah. Yeah, and there's there's a handful of guys up here that just do the team roping, and, and near as I can tell, those are getting filled up really quick, too, from what I understand. A lot of guys are really chasing trying to hit those World Series ropings because there's, there's not as many guys going to be there this year, and there's there's good money at them still. So this yeah. could simultaneously be the worst rodeo year ever, but the most exciting. Well, I just, yeah. I just looked it up, and I see that Tough Cooper is number one in the world in the all-around, and yeah. his year-to-date earnings are 80000 And yeah. I feel like at this point last year, headed into the Pendleton Roundup, he'd be looking at, like, one of those Wright brothers, number one in all around, probably has 170,000 in earnings for so far. Yeah. So significant drop in uh, in purses for Cowboys Absolutely. this year. Absolutely. They lost a great deal. Their winter rodeos and then all the spring rodeos, the good ones in California. And there was a lot of stuff that just didn't happen. So I don't know. I don't know. It'd be interesting to find out – what the total purse loss is from all the all the rodeos that are that fell into that that uh, category of not happening, and just see what the total money awarded monies lost to the to the entire industry were. Kind of, kind of interesting. Yeah, you kind of alluded to it, but it, you know, hopefully this doesn't have long lasting damage on rodeo because a lot most of these guys don't make their primary living rodeoing you know if they're making i think the the cutoff if you want to be top 15 in the world last year for steer wrestling you needed to be around what like 70 80 
And so let's say like an average guy that's top 15 in the world, he's probably going to close the year, make, maybe makes a hundred thousand with all those expenses traveling. A lot of them ranch, right? So I wonder if a year oh, off wow. from rodeo, if they just decide, you know, they move on and they never come back. Oh, I'm sure there will be those cases. I'm, I'm sure most of them will figure out that like, God, I was pissing a lot of money away for nothing. But, yeah. Probably gonna, it's probably gonna buoy the sales of a lot of new guys, though. Yeah, yeah, those college kids coming up, yeah. Yeah, there's a, and and there's kind of a trend right now within rodeo. That I mean, there's a changing of the guard, really. If you look at most all the events that I've seen, there's there's a lot of a lot of young guys coming in. So, but it's we were all young ones. We're super excited. We think we'll get names that we've never seen before. Yeah. We're going to be the only – we think that we'll be the only Labor Day West Coast rodeo. Which could hurt or could – it'll be – you'll get a lot of the local people up here wanting to go, you know, making the circuit finals. If, yeah. What was normally Labor Day? Ellensburg and Winnemucca? Ellensburg, Walla Walla, Lewiston. Um, of course, Puyallup and Lewiston were the next weekend. I guess Ellensburg hasn't canceled yet. Yeah, they did. Oh, did they? Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have the best Cowboys in the world showing up to your town. Or unless, like what Raleigh says, they might just stay back mid in the Midwest. Depending on where the money's at. But you'll probably still see – because you'll be getting right down to the bubble then on who makes the finals. So you're going to get you're going to get those ones that are chasing it, I'm sure. But then you're also going to get a lot of guys from the circuit. And I don't even know what they're doing for the circuit and the circuit standings here. It'll be interesting. And it's only going to be one night. So um, the, first, the other night's going to be the next rodeo. It's too bad they don't uh, knock on the doors of Ellensburg, Walla Walla, Lewis, and Pendleton, some of those other big ones that aren't going on. And, and – uh, incorporate them all into one rodeo and put a hell of a lot of money up oh that'd be insane it'd be it'd be kind of cool if they could if they could pull it off because you would get everybody showing up a one-time i always thought one of the best espn things you could do or espn2 that might not be on the main espn but do a a thousand dollar a hundred thousand dollar prize best ranch rodeo team and just have a have it be open, and then uh, have people come from all over just for one week. It, well, I've had a similar thought for a long time. You know, the thing about the Pendleton Roundup is you've got a history and a heritage there that you really don't have at hardly any other rodeos. Like that was the spot where they had the very first World Championships, and and I feel <clears throat> I feel like maybe. And, and there's time constraints and whatnot, but I've always kind of felt like they're limiting themselves to the scope of the event that they could hold. I've always thought, you know, that if they'd span that thing out for another week and, and have the biggest ranch rodeo on grass, and, you know, I think you would get a lot of these PRCA guys and open it up to everybody coming in there and putting together branding teams and, and just, they, they could, I, that's just a thought I've had before. And I, I think it's a very plausible idea because not only are you going to be getting all your regular 
um, contestants and, and their families and all your regular crowds. But when you start t bringing in ranch teams from all over the country and their families and people coming to watch a, a, a whole nother avenue of the Western culture, other than what they have at the Pendleton Roundup, you, you bring in a lot more tourism and to anywhere you would do that. And I think, if, I think that, that concept and the idea you spoke of there, Richardson, it's kind of a, I mean, we've got one or the other right now, but it's kind of a missed opportunity for some of these committees, I believe. Well, I always thought the cool thing you could do with it is never every day just randomly pick what the events were going to be. So yeah. nobody could practice for them because that's one of the things that gets tough with the ranch rodeos. Those guys just practice all the time. So, and just have some that you just make up and say, Hey, this is, this is what this is going to be today. You gotta, so they can't be prepared for it. And the other yeah. one is the burns, the standing, uh, for the, where you got to ride the horse from the ground. Mm -hmm. so, the snap. Yeah. Yeah. Now I, that, I know why, I know why they don't do that anymore, but I, you want to talk about a crowd pleaser. They, they would much rather watch that and and then than a regular shoot and granted you're not going to have enough stock to, to be there aren't a lot of stock contractors anymore that halter break and some of them do halter break their horses and get them broke to leave get, get them to where you can saddle them and not have a wild ass fit but um i, th I think that would be a very unique deal to do as an event in, in several places. Cause the only place that, that really does it is at that function in Burns. Yeah. I mean, as an event, but there again, there's a, they used to have snub and harness and all kinds of stuff at Pendleton back when they did it all the time. And there was ways to do that where it, it didn't, it wasn't real time consuming and, and you could actually get it to go off on a decent schedule. Are they going to do anything fun for or anything interesting, like keep the fairgrounds lit for Pendleton or anything during when they'd normally run? I don't know. Joel, you'd probably hear more about that than I would. I mean, that would be an excellent idea, but I have not heard any whisper about that. Um, it would be cool to see in, in rodeo to, for maybe like a phase two to take the sport to the next level is they should have teams like at the college level, you know, like they have college rodeo teams and they spread out to go to different rodeos and they compete. They do. They Why do does this professional rodeo have that? They, they have in the past, they've had their, their, their tour championship type things where they've had team coors, so letter, but whiskey team, all the, all the major sponsors for rodeo get, get a team of contestants they get a guy from each event that they put on their team and they've had the tour championship type deal going on um it's i don't think it's with the way rodeo has been produced in the past as far as um televising up until this cowboy channel thing it wasn't something that was caught on to very fast because it was usually, a, it was always, it was never live. It was always a rerun that showed up a month later. And by then the news cycle passed. But I think, I think with this live feed rodeo stuff they have on that cowboy channel, they could uh, definitely get more into that. 
technology hasn't been there, I guess, up until now. Uh, Raleigh, what do you know about, so you're pretty well connected already, you participate in it sometimes. Um, as far as sponsorships go, how, what is that world like? Do only the top Cowboys get offered sponsorships or is it spread out, you know, at the circuit level? No. Um, you know, I, I can't say that I'm a wealth of knowledge on that particular topic, but typically I put their billboard in the most place. So, I mean, it's, it's just a marketing. You'll, you pay attention to the NFR contestants that might have been a first-time contestant with one one patch on their shirt the next year they'll be covered up with all their sponsorship it's it, it kind of boils down to have you made your as to what you get as for sponsorship and yeah there's there's a lot of local circuit guys that might get some local sponsorships and whatnot but some of them get a major every now and then if they win a big rope or something I don't know. It, it's kind of sad to me. I mean, yeah, it's a it's a unique part of the sport, but I kind of miss the days when you saw the guys that left the ranch and they didn't didn't have a hundred and twenty thousand dollar rig and and three hundred thousand dollars of horses standing in it and rolling there looking like they're. I'd rather see Fred and the Flintstone mobile come in there with a you know the horse and a two horse trailer and they they just got done being on a Brandon wagon all spring and then they'd go rodeo if they had a chance. See, I always, my, my vision of rodeo that I uh, romanticized is basically the entire Gold Buckle Dreams album. That's like... What's that album? It's Chris Ledoux's first... Oh. It wasn't even a hit. It was just one that he sold out of the back of his car. And, well, uh, you know, the, Chris Ledoux is one of those guys that he lived that life. Chris was a cowboy. Um, and, and there's guys of that generation. You talk about the Ned Londos and the Bill Larson's and, and guys that were true legit cowboys. And, and, and guys right here in the back door. I mean, there was some of the guys, you look at a Bill McCoyne up here who has been nothing but a, a hardworking cowboy and a saddle maker his whole life. And, and, he was just out of the numbers of making the finals to my nearest knowledge back in the, in his day in the early seventies and whatnot. And, and I just feel like the game has changed. Um, it's there's, there's this elite level that they want everybody to be at. And you have to, I mean, you, your, your life, it's so difficult to get to that point these days where you have to focus on it. I mean, I, there's a, there's a, there's a handful of these guys that are, are not, just rodeo cowboys they're they're guys that are on the ranch and, and working and but the way that the game is played these days if you want to be successful you have to kind of make that your focus in life and you don't do anything else yeah, even even the ropers i you know I, I follow tough cooper on instagram and he's always posting stuff about his workout routine like they're they're no longer like you said they're, they're no longer fred whitfields of the world they're now they're you have to be an incredible athlete to compete. Well, Fred Whitfield was is an incredible athlete. Fred Whitfield yeah. did still go out there and spank most of these pups, and but the game has changed 
as to how you approach it. I mean, there's there's guys that they don't go to the rodeo and then go to the beer garden every day. They they go spend the the morning in the gym and they're going to bed at night after they eat their perfect calorie made meal. You know, it and it's it, it's good for the sport. I mean, it, the competitive nature is coming out in these guys, but it maybe I'm old fashioned and kind of enjoyed the old days. You know, it, oh, it takes the fun out of it. Well, I, I miss watching a Joe Rosenberg at 60-some years of age go and win around at Pendleton. I mean, yeah. and, and and then get halfway back up the grass and have a cigarette lit, and he's headed to the beer garden, you know. <laughs> those were – those. <laughs> it, did that make him a cowboy more than the next guy? No, probably not. But the, the – I'd say yes, for sure. The, the nature. Well, maybe the nature of the game has has changed, and it and maybe for the better for from a sport standpoint. But I don't know. I think I, 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 I think it's lost some of the cowboy nature, though. Lost a bit of the culture. Yeah, no, definitely. That's a better word. The culture and, and what it originated from. Like my dad. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Broly. Oh, you're all right. I, I just look at it where, you know, you look where the Pendleton Roundup started. That culture there in that area was a heavily livestock inundated area back in the day. And, and you know, some of the greats that, that won the, the Pendleton Roundup were from right in that local area. And, and what it was was a competition at the end of the, end of the, the working year where everybody got together and they, it was a competition to see who the best hand was. Um, now it's a competition every day. Everything's about the competition. Uh, they, they don't necessarily go work on a ranch anymore. They, they just keep going from one rodeo to the next, which, you know, it's, it's, it's neat, but the history behind it is, is somewhat passed by, I think. my opinion i think it was interesting like my dad he's really into the older rodeo culture and they he used to be able to say well this guy he worked at such and such ranch for a while you know you, you never hear that you, they never went in like you never hear that they worked out an outfit in nevada for a little bit before they went into rodeo i mean these they start like we have friends that kids started when they were eight and nine and yeah they're pretty professional at it now and like they still work on the ranches and everything, but they never like slept in the bunkhouse and uh, went out on the wagon and you know did all that kind of crazy stuff. Even though that's less and less of the culture now, but it seems like that that yeah. foundation is not as it's, there. Yeah, I and, and you know I think that's one of the things that um, is so attractive about the 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 ranch rodeo and how it's gained traction over the last 10 years. I think it's because it's gone back to its roots more so than where modern day rodeo has gotten to. And, um, I, th I think the appreciation for the work ethic that, that these guys, yeah, the, these ranch teams and what they do day in and day out, day in and day out is something that people, people are drawn to at least people that are, heavily into the culture um i i don't know whether it will ever be commercialized 
or just how popular the sport might get. I'm, I think that the culture that's that's within it right now doesn't maybe want it to get overly commercialized. Just if they, if they get too big, they're going to draw a lot of unwanted attention. I wouldn't say unwanted, um, but I think people... I'm talking about like the, the protesters who talk about the animal cruelty. They already, they've already taken a, at least in Oregon, they've put a limit on how you can rope horses anymore. I mean, they, within the Great Basin, the horse roping is a huge cultural event for the buckaroos and, and they, they've limited to, they actually were, and I don't know what the statistics or what the, the stats are on the bill, but they had a bill through to where they were going to make it illegal to even rope a horse. Now that they, by law, they can't dally on the on the uh, front foot catch. But. Hmm. I knew it changed a little bit. Yeah. Which I could de I could definitely see a scenario though where the right if if it gets the right level of attention for animal cruelty, you'll you'll start seeing eventually we'll start seeing ballot measures to outlaw rodeo. But you know what happens, and it's already happening in California, is uh, yeah. uh, unsanctioned uh, pop-up type rodeos. Yep. Pretty big in the Mexican culture. Huh. So, like, it just happens. And then if you're, that, you're in the you know, and then you go, and it just, yeah. Not necessarily in an arena anywhere. I think as our population grows and warrants the need for more law makers to make more laws. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if in our life the rodeo come to a halt because of laws. And in if given the way that our government could could or couldn't go, I'd, I wouldn't even question it at this point. I, I could see if things move too far to the left, that's a that deal could be coming to an end through laws. What is that? What is happen? What happens to the hunter jumpers and the dressage? I I I look at it similar to way, in, and this is all opinion based. But you look at the wolf introduction. What 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 is what kind of an agenda would be behind that to, to really warrant introducing the back into the wild and into the ranching communities right. they don't want the land i mean yeah. that's that's an opinion but that the, the their traction is on government leases and and, and allotments and they can kind of the, the environmentalists can kind of maneuver their way around within the government agencies to eventually get the cowmen off that land if they get enough lawsuits against them and in the hunting culture, they why would they want us to sustain ourselves when we can become reliant on the government? I mean, let's go take away all their food sources that they have. So, and it's working. Look at all. I mean, you look at the the wildlife numbers in these areas where wolves have been heavily populated, and what it's done to the hunting industry in the state of Idaho. I, I kind of look look at it from that perspective in regards to rodeo that. If they can, if they can find a loophole, which which the environmental movement has done in a lot of cases, 
they're they'll come at it. I mean, there's a there's a reason why they they've changed so much in the tie down roping and 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 the wild horse races aren't at a lot of rodeos anymore and um, they don't hold steer single steer roping in many performances anymore at a lot of rodeos. Um, it quote unquote animal cruelty. Um, I don't know that you give them an inch and they'll find another mile to take. So. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully there's enough people that are enough adults in the room that'll understand how many communities rely on their rodeo to sustain themselves. Maybe, maybe it's just too late for them to ever cancel such a thing, but that could be wishful thinking maybe. On that same page, I mean, I, I, I think that the culture surrounding rodeos, a neat culture. Um, however, there's, in my opinion, a bit of an obsession with it in a lot of these communities. And you know, on one hand, I feel bad for them with what's going on, but on the other, it's it, it's a little sad that they've based their entire economic venue on one week of rodeo every year. Like, you're... Well, if you don't have a rodeo, you're, you're every small town in the West is Milton Freewater, I don't know, Pilot Rock. Oh, I know. Meeker, Meeker, Colorado has the International Stock Dog Championships Open Trial. One of the best shows you'll ever see. Mm-hmm. No, there's a... Things you could do. And unfortunately, with the way this covid deal has unrolled it doesn't matter what you do for an event you're you're getting hammered this year um and if this wasn't an election year i'd venture to say that you'd still be having rodeos Uh, that's just another opinion of mine but (laughs) yeah it'll be interesting if that randy brocker on here um see what he knows he had had mike or awol Let's uh on a lighter subject. Let's wrap this one up. Best rodeo movie. What's your favorite rodeo movie? I'm trying to think of mine. I got a whole bunch I like, and one of them's sort of a depressing one. But Ollie, go. Well, I'm 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 a little biased, but um, when the legends die, and the only reason that I say that is my dad was a stuntman in it, and and he. Uh, some of the the key stunts to that movie he was the stuntman for so um and it, it's an absolutely ridiculous film um it's <laughs> one, of the, one of the worst cinematographies you've ever seen but it was one of those 19 early 70s late 60s made films that uh, about a, a young indian that grew up in the wild and and, and acclimated to the modern culture and then became a bronc rider and it uh, and and you know the frederick forrest was the young indian the bronc rider the same one that played blue duck and lonesome dove and so um if you haven't seen it it's kind of an interesting well maybe we'll save that for a, a podcast movie up and coming yeah do you have any idea if it's on anything is it on youtube or I really don't know if you can find it on much of anything because it. I mean, it was a. I, you have a VHS. Maybe. <laughs> it was, it, I, just 
have to look it up. It's called When the Legends Die. And okay. I would I haven't looked it up in a long time to even see if it's on there. And but uh there's it, it was kind of kind of fun to see it as a kid because there's a lot of scenes that my dad was just in arbitrarily rodeo scenes. It's like, hey, that's my old man when he was like a young skinny fucker. But it's pretty neat. Yeah. Um, uh, well, the only two that I really watch consistently are Eight Seconds, and Eight Seconds is probably my favorite. Um, but I also really like the Cowboy Way. <laughs> you walk the doors? <laughs> Does that count? I, I guess I think that kind of counts as a rodeo movie. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I'll do the same thing. There's a scene in that movie that always made me laugh. And I do this. I do it as myself in New York City. Well, in the movie, they go to New York City and they pull it. They go to this really nice restaurant. And the waiter comes over and they get it. Uh, they try the wine. And they're going to order wine. <laughs> he asks, Woody Harrelson asks the, the waiter, throw a couple ice cubes in there, would you, sir? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, sure. Would you? Would you like glasses, or would you rather just drink out of the bottle? I was really hoping that you were going to do the black hat scene. In the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but eight seconds is the top one, man. That's Lane Frost. I think they just passed a thirty. He died thirty years ago, like last week, at um, Calgary. Chan. Chan. Um, yeah, it's a good movie. Lane Frost. Everybody should watch that. Always like, uh, I like eight seconds because I like the end with uh, Tough Peterman where he does the 12 second ride. Did that really happen? Yeah. That's just dramatic. Yeah, yeah, I think it happened. Yeah. You can look it up on YouTube. Okay. And then. I like the one, the rodeo and HUD with Paul Newman. It's very, it's hardly in there at all, but it's sort of a interesting part of the movie. Right. Then uh, there's one with uh, oh, what's his name? Oh, I can't think of it. It's really pretty sweet story about a girl that's barrel raced. The reason I like rodeo movies is I guarantee you that they always, most always get in a really good like tear-jerking moment and i don't know why it is with <laughs> with rodeo movies there's no like but i mean and then you're like yeah but it's uh takes you from like bottom up and it yeah seems to Were be you gonna talk about the girl the barrel racer girl that... scott glenn's in it that's the guy i'm trying to think there's a movie about her and she's still rodeos oh yeah the one that uh yeah that had to get the special saddle and everything i didn't see that yeah one. Yeah. That's a true story. So Yeah. But so uh let's uh what did we learn this week? Joel, what did you learn this week? Well, I I spoke about it too early, but the the um how they make imitation crab. And Raleigh, you weren't here when we were talking about it, but it's a disgusting process that I saw when I was down in Newport. They grind up a whole bunch of different just 
the shitty fish that nobody wants to eat by themselves and then grind it up mix it together mix it with flour and sugar or whatever i don't know what they do but uh that's how they make imitation crab smells yep. terrible there's birds flying around landing on it when they're making it in the bin so there's probably bird droppings in it it's one of the ingredients uh, yeah don't eat it I'll go. I learned that uh, Mike is dead weight. <laughs> of course, he has all the passwords and stuff, so I guess we better keep him real. <laughs> yeah, he owns all the slogans. Like, how you mumming them? And what, what's his other one? Greetings and salutations. Yes, greetings. <laughs> no. Uh, not quite as uh, probably everybody's probably going. I would seem more funny when Mike is at it. So. You, you know, <laughs> we don't often we don't get to take shots at Micah because I mean he's got a pretty good uh, offense going on. So this is your opportunity to really get a hold of something. I figured I better get something in on him and <laughs> let you know that uh, yeah, his problem is deeper than pooping. <laughs> 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 oh, that'll be good for him. <laughs> He's gonna have to comment on the the comment section this week as a as a viewer. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it will be. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there's rapid to come. I imagine. Oh, I I think he I think he'll be excited when he's in a place where he has good service. Yeah. Uh, serious note. For everything being shut down, I uh, I have learned that there's just not enough time to get everything done during COVID. I don't know if it's because there's a lack of services or there's just not many people doing stuff. But the other thing I've learned is people, they're still not getting food. I was down in California and like I wanted to get a breakfast burrito and they hadn't delivered it to the place that made the burritos and it's a chain down there. So, I mean, our supply chain's not strained out yet. So, yeah, I think that... Uh, we're not, but it might be, people might be done with it, but we're not done with it. So but I think that uh, winter might be a little tough on everybody. Yeah. Uh, yeah, on that note, something I learned this week, uh, I recently took a couple of cows in and USDA burgered them and been selling to the locals and whatnot on some of that stuff. But the, the trend with, and and maybe it's a trend that'll stick here now. Um, everybody wants to know where their food's coming from, but to get a USDA uh, kill appointment where I could get one in, in April the next month, and then by May, I couldn't get one until July. Now it's pushed out till February because of the, the demand on it. So um, in the beef industry, there's some things changing trend-wise as far as uh, consumer demand. So, um, Wait, what, what's this whole U.S.? Why do you have to? You have to make an appointment. Well, take some get, witness. You kill it like a like a like it's kosher. It, that you take it to a kill house um, that that um, has USDA inspection abilities, and so the USDA will show up once a month on a date where they'll kill X amount of livestock, and and you're limited to only doing that many. So, um, the, what that allows you to do is. Um, 
you can I can take that burger and sell it to a local restaurant if I want to because it is USDA inspected and it's good for consumption of the general public. Um, however, if I wasn't to go to the USDA, the, the least amount I could sell at a time would be a quarter beef. Um, it's kind of a loophole in the USDA program. So I uh, actually did a deep dive into that and we figured out it, you got to sell it live and yep. they have to pay for the butchering. Yep. Um, but Do they pay for the butchering or you pay? They. Yeah. Oh, is that a great deal? The interesting thing is you can coordinate it all. You can take the animal to the plant and you can bring all the meat back but they have to pay separately they never even have to look at the animal and you just make the deal live on the hoof and then sell them the meat and we're gonna yep. actually we're, we're we're getting close to doing our first one like that um i was hoping to get into the usda one later this year with some calves but um and then wyoming they got rid of that law completely and wyoming you can just take it to the butcher and sell it however you want so yep. I think more states do that They've got a bill to go through the Prime Act um, where they're going to try. That. I want to say that it was introduced on a federal level um, to allow the states to not have to, so that all the local kill houses can, can go ahead and do it without a federal inspection. And I, I haven't done a lot of reading on that Prime Act, and I don't know what kind of traction it's gotten, but that's been a month or so ago when that was kind of coming to the forefront. And they were going to look at how, how the USDA monitors those um, inspection sites and, and will allow for them to do more, more local produce going into local uh, markets. So potentially, we'll hope. That'd be good. How do we usually wrap this up? I forget. Is this the last segment or do we have another segment? Uh, we usually do a movie or something. Uh, we're still going to do the antelope thing. Yeah, that's still in progress. We'll pick a, we'll pick a new one, though. Oh, that's going. Something white. Who's, I think it's your turn, anyways, Joel. Well, I was going to, I'd rather watch like one of Raleigh's movies. One of my movies? Yeah. yeah you did sort of pick, uh, in a roundabout way, you picked Wild Wild Country. <laughs> yeah, it's my it's my fault we're doing that one, yeah. Um, Pissed off the wrong people. Well, maybe we should wait until we get that one so we don't get ahead of ourselves here, get that deal done and taken care of, and then jump into another movie. I just... What no, I, I want to watch one. Yeah, well, watch you want to? We'll talk about Letter Kitty. I'm next. ready to watch one tonight. Um, I'm not gonna watch Wild Wild Country tonight. I need a Raleigh what? recommendation. How about uh, a good John Wayne movie? Yeah, Big Jake. It's on Big Amazon Prime. Big Jake, that'll work. Wait, no, is Big Jake the one? What's the one that they recently remade with uh, the Big Lebowski guy? No, they they won't. They won't. No, no, that's, that's, true. that's true grit. Yeah. Oh yeah, True Grit. I watched True Grit part of it last night. So, all right, Big Jake. It's one, of the, Jake. it's one of the greatest unknown John Wayne movies. It yeah. just sort of got lost after it got made. It's a '70s, one of his last ones, and uh, the guy that's in it, the bad guy, is uh, Richard Boone, and he played such a bad. Uh, Richard Boone is my cousin, by the way. Yeah. Anyways, he played such a bad that. guy in that movie that he couldn't get a role in a western after that. And he's not even that 
back, but he's sort of, I can't give it away. But uh, <coughs> it's got Maria O'Hara in it, too. It's one of my favorite John Wayne's. I will be on the lookout in Big Jake for his mannerisms because I was watching True Grit last night, and there was a scene where – What's True Grit? Where John, where John Wayne takes – I've only seen this in two movies. The other one is Lonesome Dove. When when you take the bottle and you like rest it here to drink it, yeah. You guys yeah. know what I'm talking about. You rest it on your forearm. Oh yeah, Carlo Rossi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but in John Wayne in True Grit, he is the most awkward person to ever attempt that maneuver. I think. <laughs> Go back and look at it. it. It's terrible. He has no coordination. He might. I could I could easily beat him in a fist fight. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, John Wayne was just like a I don't know, gruffy old man that, but he also lived in like the Palisades, had a swimming pool out back with hot twenty-five year olds. Sort of an icon. Sort of like I think. Didn't uh, John Wayne's son, Morris, is it Marion Morris? Is that correct? He is Marion. Oh. Was a boxer? No, that was, uh, would have been a great-grandson, Tommy Hitman Morris, Hitman Morris, yeah. Okay, so that was a grandson. Yeah, and he was in the movie with Sylvester Stallone. He was in, it's like Rocky Five. Well, he got his athletic ability from the maternal side, apparently. He just passed away. Really? Well, he got uh, – he was one of the, he was the first boxer, heavyweight boxer. He was a contender for the uh, heavyweight championship of the world. And yeah. about the same time Magic Johnson did. And then found out that it was a false negative. But by that time, he was – he got really deep into the drugs. And, uh, like, it's a really sad story. But he uh, – he was on top of the world, and the next thing you know, you he was dead. Probably CTE. Okay, I hadn't had a bunch. But yeah, he's in that Rocky movie, and like he's all over YouTube. People talk about him all the time. He was a he was like a legit world class fighter. Huh, I'll be damned. Cool. Well, I need to wrap this up. I got to go bail hay. Yep, I got family here, so. But uh. This turned out to be more than just a mini episode, so like a two-thirds episode. But, yeah, we're just making it proud. Yeah. Uh, I don't have any really good creative microwave to end it, so I'm just going to say see you. Yeah. All right. All right. Bye. Until, yeah, we'll see you when Mike is back. Until right. next time. Bye. Yes.